jump into a new series called Faith Over Fear. Faith Over Fear. Um, when I was a young kid, me and my two brothers and a good friend of mine, a couple, you know, we would like to uh, do some pranks, phone pranks. And, um, and I was telling my story to my kids last night. I said, man, this is a great story. You got to, you know, so they get to hear it twice, okay? So this was back in the good old days where phone, this was not the phone, all right? This is nice, but, you know, for us. But back then, if you are over 25 years old, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's a little phone on the wall, and it has a long cord or a short cord. It depends on how fancy you get, how much money you put into your phone, your wall phone. And, and, and if you dial a number, there's no contact list. There's nothing digital. It's all analog. And uh, you either push the button. You're fancy if you have one of those phones where you can push the button, you know. But we weren't that fancy. We had the, the dial, the rotary dial, you know. And how many of you know what I'm talking about? The rotary dial phone, okay. And, uh, and, and you, know, you can only go so far with the phone, you know, because the cord keeps you short. You know, oftentimes I'm playing jump rope with it, you know. It's kind of, it's always fun with the phone. And uh, so um, there's no caller ID, so when someone calls, you just have to pick up the phone, and, and you don't know who you're, gonna t you know, who you're talking to. You just have to figure it out. And, um, and so, um, so my parents, they would leave the house with the boys, which is never a good idea to do, but they would leave us there. And, and one of the things we did was we would pick up the phone and dial random phone numbers. And just, just call, just cold turkey call people. And, and we would keep it local so we wouldn't, you know, be long distance because that was expensive back then. You paid for that, okay? And so we kept it local and uh, we would just dial random numbers and we would do stupid prank calls. It would be like, and some of you might know what I'm talking about. You'd be like, hey, just uh, we would, you know, someone pick up the phone and say hello and say, hi, this is the refrigerator company. We just need to find out if your refrigerator is running. And they said, well, yes, it's running. And then you better go catch it because it's running. And it'll be so stupid. But they'll be like, oh, you know, and they hung up. We just hang up and we laugh. We think it's hilarious. We were bored back then, okay? Just bored out of our mind. Uh, another one we did was we would make a call and, and it'll be like, um, hello, it's John there. Now, John, and I, you know, it's another name for the toilet, okay? Uh, John. I said, hey, it's John there. Oh, no, I think you got the wrong number. And then we would say, well, then how do you go to the bathroom? And, and then we would hang up. And we would just think it's so funny. It's so stupid. But it was funny for us, okay? We were, you know, that's what we did, okay? And look at confession time. How many of you, come on, I don't want to be the only one in the room that did this, but uh, we got a couple, okay. All right, good. Y'all know what I'm talking about. All right. Okay. So there was one time we were just, just going at it. Dialing random numbers. They don't know who's calling. And, and so I, I pick up the, you know, someone answered the phone. I said, hello, is John there? And I said, no, no, John. And I'd say, you know what, then how'd you go to the bathroom? And then I start laughing. And then the person said, Scott? <laughs> oh, snap hung up the phone, I said, you know, I don't know who that was, and, and, but they know me. I got the most recognizable voice in the area. 
after for two weeks, I'm going around town just afraid. I'm scared. Someone, I've been busted. Someone can tell my parents I'm in. I'm going to, I'm in big trouble for two weeks. You know, and I never did find out who that was, and, and, and I'm, it's still a mystery today, but they figured it out. And uh, let's all be honest. Let's talk about fear today. I, I lived for fear for a couple of weeks. I'm fine now, but I think, you know. But, but we have all in this room, we all have unfounded fears, right? We all have them. In fact, the number one most common fear that people experience is the fear of public speaking. That's number one. Uh, number two is the fear of death. It's the fear of dying. So that means for most of you, if I were to come up to you and say, hey, I need you to come up here and preach for me next Sunday, most of you would rather get hit by a train than to come up here and speak next Sunday. No one is exempt from fear. No one is. In fact, studies show that the more intelligent you are, the more fears you have. So if you're sitting here today and you're feeling, you're one of those that's feeling totally carefree with no worry in the world, just don't pat yourself on the back just yet. It doesn't mean that you're super spiritual. It might just mean that you're not the brightest bulb in the planet. <laughs> we, we, and it seems like a lot of us here today, we have a lot to be afraid of. Right? From, from, from a weak economy to the COVID-19. From the threat of terrorism to the threat of being laid off. It just seems like there's a lot to be afraid of today. And we're trying to have this balance of fear and faith. Trying to have this balance of, of fear and courage. And it seems like lately that a lot of us, we feel like we're out of balance. We feel like that fear and worry is, is winning, right? And today I want to look at a story in the Bible. I want to look at a guy in the Bible who found himself, where we often find ourselves, the tension between faith and fear. The tension, that's what we're living at today. How to have faith over fear. And we'll look at Matthew chapter 14, and we see this story in verse 22. Let me say this. Right before we get into this passage, it's a story of Jesus and his disciples feeding the 5,000. All right? So that just happened. All right? And we're talking about the same day here. And so in verse number 22, after they fed the 5,000, Jesus immediately made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. All right, that's the crowd that he just fed. After he had dismissed them, Jesus went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. He was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And Jesus immediately said to them, 
take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Why do you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Here the disciples, they're out on a fishing boat in the Sea of Galilee, and a huge storm comes up, and they're filled with fear. Now, some of these disciples, they're expert fishermen. They've seen storms before. They've handled stormy water before, but this storm was different. This storm frightened them, and I would say that this was the perfect storm. And three things really came together to make this a perfect storm and fill the disciples full of fear. And I believe that those three things are often the things that brings us to fear. First of all, we notice, if you're taking note, that they experienced a loss of security. A loss of security. The Bible says that they were far from the land. They, that the storm came up, there was no place for them to go for safety. They had lost their security. By the way, it's interesting that in the very first verse that we read, verse 22, that Jesus told the disciples to get into a boat and to go across to the other side. You see, Christ, he knows everything. He knows everything. He knows where we're going. And so he knew that they were going ahead right into a storm. And that shows me that sometimes, that sometimes storms are God's plan for your life. That storms, it's God's will. A loss of security is part of God's plan for your life and my life. And when all those things that I trust and that are taken away, then I can find my security and I can find my trust in the only one who never changes. And so a loss of security, it fills us with fear. But the disciples, they also experienced a loss of stability. A loss of stability. It says in verse 24 that a strong wind had come up and the boat was rocked by the waves and by the wind. They had no stability. They had no firm place to stand. And when you and I, when we lose stability, we're filled with fear. Maybe, maybe today or maybe this past week, your life is being rocked by the wind of change. Or maybe you're facing wave after wave of problem and you've lost stability. It feels like there's no firm place to stand anymore. You've lost your confidence and you're just filled with fear. And when those things that we trust in are shaken, 
and, and those things that we felt like we were firm on, when they're taken away, it, it brings fear into your life. The disciples, they also experience a loss of visibility. Visibility. Not only were they far from the land, and not only was their boat, you know, just back and forth being rocked by the winds and the waves, but the Bible said that this was in the middle of the night. In other words, it was pitch black. They couldn't see the hand in front of their face if they wanted to. You know, that reminds me that the most common fear for little kids is what? They're afraid of the dark. And I think some adults maybe still are afraid of the dark. You see, when darkness, when it comes into our lives and we can't see ahead of us, when we don't have any visibility, it brings fear. When I can't see the solution to the problem I'm facing, I'm filled with fear. When I can't see what to do next in the situation that I'm in, it brings fear. When I lose visibility, I'm filled with fear, but everything changes in verse 26. In verse 26, we see that Jesus enters the storm. Jesus shows up. We see in verse 26 that the Bible says when the disciples, when they saw him walking on the lake, they, they were terrified. And their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. Jesus come to them in a storm walking on water, and, and they don't recognize him. They think he's a ghost because they don't expect to see Jesus coming to them in this way. They don't expect it. They didn't expect to see Jesus coming to them in a storm. And by the way, we do the same thing. We expect to experience God at church. We expect to experience God when we're reading the Bible and in a quiet time and spending time in God's word. But we never expect to experience God in a storm. We don't expect Jesus to show up in a business failure. We don't expect Jesus to show up when our marriage is falling apart. We don't expect Jesus to show up in an illness. But it's in the storms of life is where we experience God the most. Why is that? Why is that? It's because he gets our attention. He gets our attention in the storms of life. And it's usually because I have spiritual ADD. I get distracted by so many things in the world. I lose sight of what's important. But it's in the storms of life that Jesus, he gets my attention. He gets my full attention. It's when wave after wave of problems are battering my boat and I'm about to go under, that's when he got my full attention. So what do I do in the storms of life? It's just, God, what do I do? I, I feel like I'm drowning. I feel like the water is, is about to go over my head. I can't figure this out. But God, how do I do what Peter did? What, what's the lesson here? How do I overcome my fear with my faith? And we do what Peter did. I want to look at four points here if you're taking notes. Notice what Peter did. Number one, he moved forward in faith. He moved forward in faith. Now, we always criticize Peter for taking his eyes off Jesus. 
But let's just be honest. The guy got out of the boat. You know, the 11 other guys, they stayed in the boat. And I promise you this. If you were there, you'd probably stay in the boat too. I know I would. If I had a choice, hey, man, this boat's about to go under. There's water filling up. But I may have a chance. I, I'll stay on the boat rather than jumping off the boat like Peter did. But Peter, he stepped out of the boat. Look at verse 28. Notice what Peter says. He said, Lord, if it's you, if it's you, tell me to come on the water. Tell me to come on the water. And the Bible says that Jesus said, come. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Jesus told him, come. Come. And Peter was just obeying Christ. It's important to understand this principle if you're taking notes. You can't think your way out of a storm. You have to obey your way out of a storm. You know, a lot of times in the middle of a storm, I know when I'm in the middle of a storm, my, my, my mind, my rational thoughts aren't quite there. I start to think things not clearly. I might say things that I would have never said normally when I'm in the middle of a storm. And oftentimes I'm trying to think. And many times we're doing the same thing. We try to think our way out of the storm. We, we say, hey, I've got this on my own. I can figure this out. And we think our way out. We cannot think your way out of a storm. You have to obey your way out of a storm. That means you go back to your core values, your foundation, God's word. And you read God's word and you obey and you do what God says to do. You go back to it. Even when you don't understand it, you obey. Even when you don't feel like it, you obey. Even when it doesn't make sense, you obey your way out of a storm. You obey. Peter was filled with, with, filled with fear. But he moved forward in faith. Faith over fear. By the way, fear is not necessarily a sin. Sometimes it's the most appropriate emotion you can have. It's a natural reaction to danger. You know, if, if, if the house is on fire, it is fear that says, run. Get out. Right? If you're taking a walk on a path and you see a rattlesnake or Abigail, if you see a tarantula, <laughs> she loves tarantulas. <laughs> if you see a snake or you see a rattlesnake or a tarantula, you know, to me, I don't care what kind of snake it is, a dead snake is a, is a good snake. You know, that's what I believe, you know. And I see a snake, it, it, it doesn't matter what it is, it needs to be dead, all right? And so and fear says, I'm not going to walk and step over the snake or the tarantula. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to take a big detour. That's what fear tells me to do. It tells me to take a detour. It tells me to run. Fear it's what caused you to get away when you're in trouble. However, it's a natural reaction. You can't control the emotion of fear, but it's a 
sin to let fear dominate you. It's a sin to give into the fear. It's a sin to let the fear control you. In other words, it's a sin to let fear paralyze you. There's a quote, you might have heard it before. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving ahead in spite of my fears. I can't control my feelings, but I can control my actions. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that are, wait, that are waiting, they're waiting to feel courageous, to feel courageous before they act on their courage. There are a lot of people that are waiting to be filled up with faith before they take a step out on faith. They're waiting. And sometimes you just have to step out in spite of your fears. Let's move it ahead. And the greatest people of courage I've ever met were people like you, people like me, who have fears, but they didn't let their fears dictate their actions. And, and, and here's Peter. I'm sure he's scared out of his mind. I mean, who steps out of a boat? But he didn't have time to think about it. Jesus said, come. And he said, okay, I will obey. I will obey my way out of the storm. I'm going to move in faith. Number two, here's the second thing we need to learn. We need to focus on Christ's love. Focus on Christ's love. Peter stepped forward in faith, even though he was filled with fear. But then he lost his focus, right? We see that in the story. He lost his focus. Verse number 30, when he began to see the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Peter, he looked into the eyes of Christ. Now he's walking on the water. But then he took his eyes off Christ and put it onto the winds and the waves and he was terrified and began to sink. You see, I need to focus. And it's a lesson for all of us. I need to focus not on the waves of problems. But I need to focus on the love of Christ because he loved me too much. He loved me too much to let me sink. He loved me too much to let me drown. And some of you, you feel like you're, you're going under today. Maybe you're watching. You feel like you're just swamp. You feel like you're sinking. Or maybe you are sinking in debt. Or maybe you're, you're sinking into a depression. Or maybe you're sinking into an ocean of fear and just feel overwhelmed by fear. But Jesus, he knows this. And he's not going to let you drown. He loves you too much to let you sink. And if I focus on Christ's love instead of all the waves that's around me, then he'll fill me with his peace. He'll fill me with his courage. But when I focus on the wave after waves, a problem that comes into my life, battering my boat, yeah, I'm going to be filled with fear. What, what are you focused on? Matt Lucado, Matt Lucado said this, starve your faith and your fears will be fed. 
But if you starve your fear, your faith will be fed. So what are you going to do? We need to starve your fear. Don't starve your faith. Focus on Christ. Keep your eyes on him. It's all about focus. It's all about him. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. This is your homework assignment. You got homework. You got to memorize this. I love the New Living Translation of this. The Bible says that I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. That's powerful, right? Powerful. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. And maybe you're feeling fearful right now. You're worried about today. You're fearful for today, worried about tomorrow. Listen, God loves you. Loves you too much to let you drown. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. See, when you're faced with a perfect storm, when you're faced with a perfect storm, what you need right now is a perfect love, and that only comes from God and God alone. I don't have perfect faith. I, I don't have the faith that, you know, that you think I have. In fact, there's days where I don't feel like I have a lot of faith. But my faith is weak, but God's grace is much bigger than my faith. Sometimes I might feel faithless, but the Bible said even when I feel faithless, he is still faithful. It's not about my perfect faith. It's not about my perfect courage. It's about his perfect love. Perfect love casts out all fears. Number three, the third thing as we look to have faith over fear is to cry out to God. Cry out to God. This is one of the shortest yet most effective prayers in the Bible. It's in verse number 30. You see this in verse number 30. He cried out, Lord, save me. He cried out. By the way, he shouted it. Lord, save me. I call it the 911 prayer. It's direct. It, 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 man, we're not messing around, God. You know, I'm not going to go in circles and, and, get, and finally get to the point. No, this is a very pointed prayer. He said, Lord, I'm, I need help. I'm going under. I need you. Save me. By the way, if Peter would have prayed the way some believers pray today, and that is to pray to impress people rather than just praying to God. You know, if you, if you had prayed something like, you know, dear, dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the gathering of the brethren here in this big boat and the bountiful blessing of the storm that you have brought us on our way. But in this great hour of need, God, I need you to direct me and to guide me and to lead me out of the miry clay and the bottom of the sea of Galilee. Pretty impressive prayer. But if he had prayed a prayer like that, he would have sunk to the bottom of the sea before he said amen. 
God's not impressed. Sometimes you cry out to him and say, hey, I'm here, and I need you, God. Peter, he cried out. God answered his prayer, and Jesus literally grabbed him and pulled him out. Sometimes I think we have this picture in, in our mind of the story that, you know, Peter is about halfway in the water, and I got his arms up. Um, I, I don't think that even happened. You don't, see, you don't see that in the story. You don't see Peter's hand up. You know, he's sinking like a rock. I mean, he's going down. And, and Jesus didn't wait for him to reach up. Jesus just went down and grabbed him. I pulled him up. But see, I love the fact. I love the fact that the story, in the story that Peter took his eyes off Christ. I love that. He said, why? Why do you love that? That's terrible. Because it tells me that even though his faith was imperfect, and that he took his eyes off Christ, Christ still rescued him. He still saved him. He didn't let him drown. He loves you too much to let you drown. Sometimes we're so filled with fear, we're thinking fast. All you can do is cry out to God. And if that's all you can do today in your heart, cry out to God, the good news is this. Uh, he hears your prayers. He hears you. And here's the fourth thing. I'm taking notes. Worship. He worship in the storm. Actually, in this story, he worship after the storm. But man, we are called to worship through, before the storm, after the storm, during the storm. He worship. The Bible said in verse 32, when they climb into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. They worshiped him. And right now, some of you may be going through a terrible storm. And the wind and the waves, they pick up. And it seems like they keep picking up. You've lost visibility. You don't know what's going to happen this fall. You don't know what's going to happen this week. You're, you're afraid of your job. You're afraid of, you know, your finances. You're afraid of your relationships. You're afraid of, you know, you don't know what the changes are going to happen. You've lost visibility. You've lost stability. You've lost security. The things you're trusting in have been shaken. But the good news is this, that you have a Savior, Jesus Christ, and all you have to do is cry out to him, and he is strong enough to hold you and to hold me. Worship. It helps us to a place of surrender. To a place where you surrender your storm. And this is where some of you are at today. When you worship, you're saying, God, I surrender my storm to you. Worship is just seeing who God is and seeing where you're at in this whole thing. Worship is a, it's, it's a, it's a place of humility. I love how, how the Lord's prayer opens up. Our Father who is in heaven. And it's right there in that beginning of that prayer, you recognize, God, you are, you are great and mighty. You are in the heaven. You are the creator of the universe. And you are awesome and big, and I'm just little bitty me. 
let's trust you. Our Father who is in heaven. He is a big God. God, you are in a place of adoration. God, you're, you're in a place of worship. God, he is in control. He is sovereign. He, he is calling the shot. He is running the show. In fact, he is the star of the show. Newsflash, you're not the star of the show. I'm not the star of the show. You see, he is worthy. He is worthy of our praise. I'm not worthy of any praise. See, God is great. I'm not great. God is the center. I'm not the center. God is above all things. I'm not above anything. God is the one who's calling the shot. I'm not calling the shot. And that's what worship does. It reminds me of who he is. And I surrender my life. I surrender my fears. I surrender my storms to the only one who is my rock, my anchor. In fact, he is the master of the storm. I, I love the song that we sang right before the message. Peace, be still. I don't want to be afraid every time I face the waves. I don't want to fear the storm just because I hear the roar. Peace, be still. Say the word and I will set my feet upon the sea till I'm dancing in the deep. Peace be still. You are here. Oh, it is well. Even when my eyes can't see, I will trust the voice that speaks. And I love the bridge. Let faith rise up. Oh, heart believes. Let faith rise up in me. Now, I know there are many of you right now, you're going through some really difficult storm. I would say 2020, when we started off the year 2020, no one could forecast the storm that we are hitting, that, we went, that we're going through. None of us forecast it. We're going through it. Some of you are going through it worse than others. And you're filled with fear. And I believe that God wants you right now. He wants you to surrender that storm to him as you worship. Surrender the problem to him as you walk forward, as you move forward in faith and focus on his love and cry out, faith over fear. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you for your word. You are the master of the sea and you are in charge. And we see who you are our Father who's in heaven. We put our trust in you. Help us as we go about our week. God, I pray that our faith triumphs over fear. I pray that our fear don't control us, paralyze us, but help us to move forward in faith. Help us to focus on your love. Help us to cry out to you because you're waiting and you're willing and you are a rescuer. And God, through the storm, in the storm, before the storm, after the storm, we worship. We worship you. We surrender and we recognize who you are and we realign ourselves in the world. You are great and I'm not so great. You are mighty. And God, that's, all, that's enough. You are in charge. 
And we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name.